Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This panel has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers at Gen Con Online 2020. Episode 264 Indie Press Revolution's Queer RPG Designer Panel Presented by Kira McGran, Wilson Zorn, J Dragon, AC, and Lucien Khan Um, I'm Kira McGran. Uh, I am a queer non-binary game designer in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I have written recently A Cozy Den, which features lesbian snakes making their den as cozy as possible in wintertime. Um, and also Something is Wrong Here, which is kind of an atmospheric, emotional love letter to David Lynch movies. <laughs> so, um, but I have a, a lot of other games. Those are just recent. Um. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. For for everybody listening at home, that was we can hear Kira and the rest <laughs> of us, but not AC. <laughs> what you did not hear was AC saying, "You cannot hear me." It's true. <laughs> in in the meantime, should we continue like intros? Uh, yeah, let's see if this fixes it. I think I think we should be. <laughs> there might be a bit of echo, everybody. I'm so sorry. This, I fixed the problem from this morning where you could only hear me, and then I unfixed it. <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, see. Yeah. All right, we can hear everybody. Yes, ten out of ten. All right. I'm so sorry, Kira. If you want to go again. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. Um, what did they already hear me? And then maybe someone else should should maybe go. I'll I'll say hello. Yeah. My name is AC. Thank you. Uh, sorry about the technical issues, and this is already going much better than uh, this morning. If you guys were here for that, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'll I'll pass this on to Wilson now. If you would like to begin your intro. Okay. Um. Yeah. Thanks. Hi. Uh. So Wilson. Wilson Zorn. Uh. Uh, up in Portland, Oregon, uh, transgender, so here. And uh, the game I published just before is At the Hands of an Angry God. And um, uh, sort of a, a thing around uh, utopia building, uh, in short, very short. And then something coming out next is uh, Breakdown, uh, which is basically protagonists in extreme stress who tap into their emotional state to enact what they do. Uh, so uh, I think that's the intro part. Was there something else with that? Oh, they um, pronoun. So yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And I, I love uh, At the Hands of an Angry God. And uh, I got a sneak peek at Breakdown. And I am very excited for when that comes out as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jay, oh, if, if you would like to introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Jay Dragon. Uh, I and you are welcome to use any pronouns you uh that is not true hi I'm Jay Dragon please ask me what pronouns you should use for me wow I can't believe I just forgot my own pronouns um I'm a queer lyrical designer I'm Sally I'm most well known for Sleepway you've got a bit roboty can you trash um I don't know you sound okay now uh okay I don't know why it's, I, maybe I'm just gonna, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of a robot. I promise you I'm not. Um, please, uh, please ask for excuse me. I am a queer lyrical designer in the Hudson Valley. I wrote uh, Sleepaway, which is a, a belonging outside belonging horror game about a group of summer camp counselors taking care of kids uh, at a Christmas camp. And uh, I'm uh, I'm running an Kickstarter called Water Home, which is coming out in which is launching just a week about traveling animal folk and the uh, way the seasons change around them. Yes, which I uh, the play kit for Water Home is out right now, right? They can find it on your uh, itch.io, and it's mm -hmm. 
literally incredible. I had to run and go show my sibling and be like, you're going to love this and we're going to play it together and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> so yes. super excited for that as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Lucian, if you would like to introduce yourself. Yes. Hi, uh, I'm Lucian Khan. Um, I am a game designer in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm most known for Visigoths versus Molgoths, which is a um, tabletop role-playing game and dating sim uh, about the conflicts and romances among the warriors who sacked ancient Rome and 20th century spooky teens set in a shopping mall in Los Angeles in 1996. Um, and um, I have a whole bunch of games um, they're all, uh, most of them are on necromancy.itch.io. Um, I am trans and gay and Jewish and probably a whole lot of other things. He, him pronouns. Sweet. And yeah. Uh, since I don't think I mentioned it, my pronouns are uh, they, them, and she, her, whichever. Uh, and yeah, and you just won the award for, um, what was it? The most innovative 2020 indie groundbreaker award for uh, if i were a lich man i did that was yesterday so i was still getting used to the fact that i just won something <laughs> uh but yeah i uh i did i just won an award yesterday so thank you igdn for the award yeah it's a very good game though i have to say uh, my favorite game of yours is probably muse cruise uh i have a <laughs> 17 year old cat and she's been going on a lot of retirement vacations lately, and it's been very fun. Oh my god, I love that. So Muse Cruise, for those who don't know, is like my smallest game. It's like really tiny. Um, it's You play it with your cat. It's a, it's a two-player game for one person and one cat. Um, and it's about your cat's um, vacations. So if you need yeah. something to do with your cat, Muse Cruise. <laughs> It's fantastic. So uh, we're here. Uh, obviously, we're all very uh, queer, and we're here to talk about what it's like to be a queer in the RPG industry. Uh, if we can start out maybe with uh, you, Kira, um, and the sort of, I don't know, uh, really, it's kind of hard to see sometimes the queer rep in your games, especially Lesbo Snakes, I think. I'm not sure if that's uh, is that one that's supposed to have some gay sort of elements to it, or? Yeah, yeah super gay. <laughs> um, I I slightly regret not putting lesbian in the title, but I have like uh, so many of my games are basically just about lesbians. Like I think I like lesbians maybe, <laughs> um, and M one, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know really, I don't really know how to kind of frame how to be or what it's like being queer in the TTRPG industry. Um, I uh, I've been making games probably for ten years, just only recently publishing them for uh, you know a few years, and um, you know I've been playing for twenty five years. I've been in, you know in role playing game like a long time. Uh, I think over time it's been more overtly accepted to make games overtly about gay things. Um, but a lot of them are still kind of like independently published, which um, is fine, actually. I don't know. It'd be cool to see mainstream stuff, but I prefer independent stuff of, of all different kinds of media, um, like film, TV, you know, stuff that's made by people who aren't the mainstream status quo. So. That's, it's cool. That's cool. So that's cool so far, you know. Um, and it's nice to be able to have creative control over what you're making. Like I like being able to just make what I want to make, how I want to make it, and you know, not have someone just tell me it doesn't have like enough crunchy mechanics or you know enough other other types of characters or whatever for balance. You know, just like kind of what I want to make. I want to have a bunch of lesbian snakes characters be in a den doing domestic things together that's just what i want to do so and it's absolutely fantastic and i gotta say as someone who works at uh indie press revolution yeah i'm also a pretty big fan of indie things um i was also reading through uh your other game uh, that we have here something is wrong here uh and there's a lot of like there's a pretty long history of like queer themes in horror and that one especially as I was reading through it there is one card in particular the like confrontation card uh that has you sort of 
um, confronting your uh, image in a mirror and it's like just there's all these wrong things about it and as I was reading through that I was like mm, yes gender that would be the, <laughs> that's what gender is <laughs> is looking in the mirror and being like ah that's that's supposed to be me and I'm I look like and that's my brain's in there uh, I was wondering if that was like intentional that sort of the themes you're going for with the game Oh, absolutely. I mean, horror as a genre, horror is one of my favorite genres, maybe my favorite genre um, for some of the reasons you kind of highlighted, like horror is a genre that we're allowed to talk about things where we're not allowed to talk about in other places um, or confront taboo ideas that are maybe not okay to socially talk about or even like ethically think or morally think are okay, like within the culture we live in. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, that's totally intentional and something is wrong here. Um, and I think, um, a horror that deals with identity is like some of my favorite horror because it always kind of helped me see some things about my own identity and question things about myself. Um, I think that's really valuable in the horror genre. So yeah. And yeah, I mean, like David Lynch movies are, I guess, horror. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like supernaturally strange and uncomfortable. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of interesting gender stuff in Mulholland Drive, which is one of the big inspirations behind it. Um, yeah. There's lesbians. There's there's also like who who am I? Am I who I think I am? Can I trust myself? Is my identity fractured? Can I be more than one person at the same time? I think that's all very very queer thinking. Yeah, and I know uh, J Dragon in your game Sleep Away, which is also uh, a horror-themed game. The uh, choices <laughs> for gender in that game are absolutely fantastic to me. As someone who is like uh, just sort of figuring out what gender might be or mean, <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed reading through all the gender options uh, in Sleep Away. Thank you. Yeah. Um... I'm strongly, uh, I was, I was, I've been thinking a lot about queerness in my work because like I am a, a queer designer and my work has a lot of queerness in it. But I think a lot of that comes from a desire to accurately replicate like what it is like to live, I think for me. And so there are these sort of, there's a lot of queerness and like I kind of, I'm invested in showing a lot of different ways of queerness. Like, I get kind of frustrated sometimes when people frame the gender as sleep way. It's like the, the objectively correct way to look at gender because it's not. It is like a particular paradigm in a particular social context and that a lot of my games are about thinking about different ways to represent that. But they're also just as much invested in like houselessness or like precarity or like sobriety or mental illness or physical illness and kind of exploring themes that feel very relevant uh, that kind of become intertwined fundamentally with awareness. That in a lot of ways, Sleepaway is just as much a game about mental illness and sort of and trauma and the cyclical generational nature of trauma as it is about painting this queer utopia. And so that kind of juxtaposition, I, a lot of things are being labeled as dark, but I feel like, especially even like my, my like, I don't know, like I write games that are oftentimes like, lighthearted but have this really weird dark edge to them and I think oftentimes that's because I'm just not comfortable with things that are like Sleepaway didn't have the monster it would feel wrong but not having the monster is not how it feels and having the monster without the monster would feel wrong to me so I think it was kind of that impulse can you sorry can you repeat that very last bit you went very robot-y oh. for a second there I'm so sorry. I just said, um, uh, what do you call, uh, having, uh, the summer camp without the monster, having just the queer utopian summer camp without the monster would feel, uh, just as wrong as having a monster without sort of the queerness of the camp. And that, that's kind of impulse for me is that the two of them are intertwined. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's a really fantastic game. Sorry, I'm also monitoring the YouTube chat. Uh, for people who are listening, mm -hmm. if you want to ask questions in the YouTube chat, uh, you're totally free to. I'll be watching and I will pull for them as we go. Um, I also, uh, for Wilson, I was looking through uh, At the Hands of an Angry God, which also deals with sort of utopia, but with a much more 
they tend to <laughs> fail <laughs> a lot in At the Hands of an Angry God. But uh, as I was reading through it, the thing that stood out to me immediately at the beginning, you say uh, how you're very purposefully using the pronoun they throughout the book, uh, which I really like. And as a way to sort of represent and uh, make your games queer friendly, that was just that was really cool to me. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's there's even some linguistic precedent, not that that needs to matter, you know, but uh, um, yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, it, it's just uh, briefly to that, um, to be honest, I don't think I think a lot and probably not even enough about inclusiveness in, in game design to be completely honest, you know, it's not like I uh, saying that I'm, you know, completely not thinking about it, but, but, you know, it's, 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 to be honest, usually not foremost in the, like the games I'm thinking of making. Um, and I'm, I think a lot of that is that for me, for role-playing, a lot of it was actually a way to experience why, why are the cisgendered regular people all that way? You know, um, so so I often probably think of it inside out from who I am. Um, so, but 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 uh, to your point, yeah, I think that um, it, it does matter as to how we uh, interact with with what we read and and how who we you know whether we see ourselves at all uh, there. And uh, you know, certainly, I think it's it's super powerful in a unfortunate way that he was a default. Um, and I'm not, you know denigrating writers who do that because they can't break mentally from the fact that it's been the norm but on the other hand you know i i think it's wrong to embrace and perpetuate it so yeah totally um i uh i know for sure my younger sibling also uh always uses they them pronouns and so as I got this uh, job here at IPR just recently this year, and we've been looking at a lot more indie games because they are uh, they have a ton of Dungeons & Dragons books because that's sort of the introduction. But as we've been looking at more of these indie games and finding them so just sort of friendly and welcoming towards uh, queer identities in a lot of ways, uh, we've been able to definitely expand the collection a lot more it just feels nice <laughs> to open a book and have uh, they there, at least for me. Um, I know, Lucian, you are the creator of one of my siblings' favorite books that I have brought home for them, which is Visigoths versus Molgoths, which they are uh, obsessed with, and uh, they play it all the time over uh, Discord with their friends. <laughs> I love that. How, how old is your sibling? Uh, they're 17 years old. Yeah, it always makes me really happy to hear that um, that here that teens are playing Visigoths versus Molgoths um, because it's sort of a um, it's a little bit of a love letter to my own teen experience in the '90s, growing up in Los Angeles, and like I was very much a grunge rock kid. I was like hanging out at goth clubs once I was old enough to go, and um, a lot of the stuff in that game is is really about my own teen experience, but then like reimagined through levels of you know, surrealism and alternate universe stuff, right? Um, so it actually makes me really happy when um, like current teens are going to my like weird 90s like time travel mall and are finding it like fun and relatable. Um, that I just think that's really fun and, and cool. I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's so fun to just, because um, we uh, have a mall right next to our, our childhood home. So we definitely hung out there a whole bunch. Uh, yeah. And so they uh, have sort of created this uh, alternate universe where that mall is sort of the feature of this. And it's it's really fantastic and fun. Um, so yeah, I was also wondering uh, if anybody has any thoughts about... Um, you know, making things queer friendly, I think there's a lot of space to uh, sort of not experience, but um, <laughs> sort of uh, investigate, look into uh, yourself and your identity. I talked a little bit about that with Something is Wrong here uh, with Curious Game uh, and how you guys sort of, I think, make your games uh, in a way that people can ex like explore that part of themselves uh, while they're playing it. Anybody has I mean, I can talk for a second longer about Visigoths versus Molgoths. I really wanted to make um, 
a whole mall full of NPCs and clerks who are just like a, a wide variety of types of people, right? So I wanted it to be not only like representing the diversity of Los Angeles, but also just like, like let's just have a much wider variety of types of people in this mall than you normally see in a list of NPCs in like a Dungeons and Dragons module or something like that, right? So, um, you know, with with the gender and sexuality element, I really made sure I was like, okay, well, let's make sure that we have, you know, we have um, a lot of bisexuals because that was like a huge hallmark of 90s alternative culture, right? But also like we have gay, we have lesbian, we have pan, we have like non-binary people, um, we have genderqueer, which was a more common concept in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, we have, um, some characters who are gender questioning. It just says they're gender questioning, right? Um, we have characters who are, you know, questioning their their sexual orientation or, or all kinds of things, right? So I wanted to sort of put that in there um, so that when players sort of open up the NPCs and they see like, who are all of these people, um, you know, they know right off the bat, oh, okay, well, even though this is the 90s, like this is fake alternate universe 90s. So we have this like extremely um, sort of gender sexuality diverse set of people who may or may not even know what their own sexual identity or gender identity is, especially since most of them are like 16. Um, so people are, are exploring that as well. Um, and just like have that as your starting place and your norm. Um, and I think that's really helpful for people. Like, I think, um, you know, something that I think about a lot in game design is, is pick lists. Um, I think it's really helpful for people to give them a long list of options and then also say, or something else, right? Um, because it, it can be really challenging for some people to come up with possibilities out of nothing, right? So if, if you instead say like, okay, like here are some of the kinds of people that we have here, right? And then list like 20 kinds of people and then are like, or also others that I didn't list, right? At least then people have some, some ideas of things that might be there as opposed to like, if you don't give a list, um, then what people tend to do is default to um, the norm or what's mainstream or what's socially acceptable in whatever context they're in, right? So at least just like here, here's like 24 NPCs of lots of different genders and sexualities. I think that can help people sort of feel like, oh, I guess in this game, these are things that exist. So we can talk about these things. Uh, yeah, totally. And actually uh, jumping off of that, we have a question from uh, Erica Boas, I'm so sorry if I say your name wrong, anybody in the chat. I My mouth is awful at saying words out loud. Uh, but Erica Boas was uh, asking, have any of you considered regular, regular use of neo-pronouns in the writing of your games? Or do you worry that there would be readability concerns? Uh, and I know J-Dragon, in Sleepaway, you have a section about sort of uh, different pronouns people can use. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna kind of build off a little bit of what Lucian was talking about because I have like my own perspective on, I think the same approach, like the same sort of big thing Lucian is dealing with. And I really want, I'm really interested in, in saying how I approached it. But then also I want to answer that, which is um, in uh, Sleepaway, yes, I have, I have the section on pronouns, which is just an enormous pick list of pronouns, which range from like, here are the ones you, you know, like, you know, like, you know there's ones that, you know, you commonly see in society, he, she, they, uh, Z, and then I kind of go off into here's some neo-pronouns, and then I talk about, about pronoun framing. So one of the pronoun options you can choose among, you know, like, this was literally just, I went around and asked all my friends and like all my campers for pronouns. Like I just kind of pulled them. Uh, and like a lot of these are pronouns that my campers or my friends use. Where it's like one, one person, one, one, op one suggestion is like, my pronouns are your pronouns. So AC, you'd use she or they for me. Uh, Lucian, you'd use he, et cetera. Um, another one is like, I don't care because I'm a goblin or like things like that, where it's just like your pronouns are about like, like, and like in, in sort of similar spaces, like Flower Court, which is another one of my games, which is on itch, uh, handles it with um, the, it uses a gender neutral pronoun throughout the text, like the way uh, Wilson does, but 
uh, it uses here intentionally because it's about a sort of uh, a relationship. Crackly. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. It's okay. The flower is about in relationship to gender and so uh and sort of like a cyberpunk relationship and so i wanted a word that was both authentic to queer experiences and comes from there while also creating that little bit of like this is a space that's different than how we like this is the mainstream pronoun that everyone is using and in the flower court similarly one of the instructions in making your characters is to choose pronouns befitting royalty that that's kind of instead of giving options there, it just says choose pronouns befitting royalty, or choose pronouns befitting uh, befitting cruelty. Um, and so I think similarly to Lucian, I really believe strongly in the power of like the way pick lists can give you the full, like can give you sort of the sense of like, like in addition to sort of reminding you there are these options out there, gives you the sense of what the game cares about and like. In Sleepaway, there's the there's this approach to what a friend of mine called gender anarchy, where like you can play a character whose gender is rusted sword and who uses he or they pronouns. And are you playing as a transmasculine person who's like a little bit sort of exploring gender outside of the binary? Are you playing as a trans feminine egg who's only starting to figure things out? Are you playing as like you know, like, like, sort of, are you playing as something else? It doesn't matter because what matters in the game is that you're a rusted sword and that your programs are here and that those can change over time. So it's this approach to gender that does require you to position your relationship to the SNS, uh, which I don't think is how people relate to gender naturally in our society. And so it was fun to push that way. Yeah, totally. Uh, so. Uh, if anybody has any uh, thoughts on that, or maybe just just a, th a quick add-on is that I think that you know one of the things you mentioned about lists I think is important is the really having the the completeness of that list and the and or if or if it's not appropriate to say and it could be something anything else that you you know might like that seems remotely related to the fact of doing this game or whatever is that at least maybe saying why it's framed or why it's limited and I because I think that you know, at least for me as a player, one of the things I find difficult is the imposition of roles. And the more limited those roles are, the harder it is to, you know, find the relationship to that character or to create that. And um, so I think, you know, for me, like, you know, I get the idea, of course, of very functional roles, like, you know, hunter and gatherer and whatever, you know, um, razor or whatever, you know, but, uh, but I think, you know, it's important to have that canvas aspect. And, and I, I tend to go very blank canvas, you know, almost like probably too much. I will totally admit to, um, in terms of how what I try to give. And and one of the other problems, and I, now I'm going to throw a question back out, actually, is that one of the things is that uh, for me in 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 playing games with people and testing games and developing games, um, my books are very hostage. I say books. There's only two I'm formally published, but um, but. Uh, but any work I do that I come out is going to be very formally hostage to the players, um, because I just for me that's the best, the only way I have to really bring that back of real gameplay. Um, and in my experience, players are almost always, because society is almost always, you know, uh, playing cisgendered characters, playing characters who are white, you know. So and I'm I'm not going to write a black character to be honest, you know. I'm going to let somebody else do that, and I'll write what they what they. What they wrote you know so i'm just curious how anybody else deals with some of that in your game populations and development for me i it's i feel like it's definitely a challenge so curious yeah i, I think impartially to answer your question um and bounce off of what lucian and jay said uh I think it's important. It's always weird answering this question. I'm like, I'm queer. I don't know. How am I designing a queer game? I'm just doing the things that I like. But, and, and you know, that's part of my culture and part, part of what I see, right? So sometimes I have to dissect, like, what is what did I actually put in this game that was queer? Um, and, you know, I think in, when you're intentionally designing um, queer stuff, Queer, queer games, it, it could intentionally be queerly designed, right? Um, or it could just be, uh, you know, your game design, your version of game design. Mm -hmm. um, I think representation is important 
right? So like talking about this pick list and giving people options and having, you know, art art that shows like, oh, queer, queer this game is about queer folks. You are welcome here. Um, and also, uh, you know, also looking at the framework of the game is important. Like how is this game framed in the sense of what is the story that you're telling with this game? Who, not only who does it include, but what is it about? Like, what is the goal of the game? How, how does the narrative tell you that it's like about queer living or identity somehow? Um, and what is like the culture that's framed? Like how does it um, maybe pick and showcase some of queer culture that you know we're a part of? Um, and I think like, like, um, like looking at a cozy den, right? Like I was for that, you know, it's cute and funny that you're playing, you know, <laughs> people who are half snake monsters and that you're doing like cozy domestic things in the game that's kind of like feels like a Ghibli type thing. Um, so it gives like that soft queer culture thing that we're kind of familiar with, you know, now you're like, oh, it's soft and it's cozy and it's maybe cuddling and there's maybe furries there, I don't know. Um, but also that um, the framework is like lesbians living together in a commune and how that kind of goes into queer history, like, you know, from when queer people were kind of building communes in the 70s, 60s, 70s and 80s in the US um, and like the domestic disputes that, that arose <laughs> from those communes. And so that's kind of like embedded in the story, even though it's kind of like on the surface, oh, this is silly and cute like that queer history is embedded in that story. I did that on purpose. Um, and I think like a lot of our games have had those narratives lying underneath them in the story of the game and also in the mechanics themselves, like like you were talking about and something is wrong here, the mirror, there's like a mirror mechanic where you like look in a mirror consistently. And that, you know, a lot of queer and especially trans folk will be familiar with like the symbolism of a mirror and identity. And like, that will mean something maybe to us that will maybe be slightly different to other people. Like it could bring up all kinds of dysphoria and body issues, um, as well as like uh, the general symbolism of mirrors in, in horror and in a, in a game, in any kind of story. So I, I think that there's like devices and mechanics that are like, part of queer game design, basically. I think also, I think I want to answer, I also thinking about um, the way in which, like, all games are autobiographical from my perspective. Like, all games are always, in kind of almost a boring way, like, a game always says something about the person who wrote it, like, even if it's, like, this person's, you know, really homophobic or what have you. But game always says something. And I think that, like, as queer designers, our games kind of end up with a little bit of that fingerprint, even when we're not intentionally designing a game about queerness. Like, Wander Home is, it's, you know, again, coming out in one week, woo, um, is not a game about uh, queerness. It's got, like, some queerness within the pick lists that kind of, has a little bit of that approach, but it's a game about being homeless. It's a game about trying to find a relationship with a land when you don't necessarily, like when you, you know, like when, when that land has a complicated relationship. And it's kind of that existence. And it's not really about, it's like, it's not about queerness the same way Sleepaway is. And I think that's something I wish was a thing people knew how to highlight more that a game can, contain and encourage queerness without trying to make a statement about queerness that like sleepaway is me kind of making a pitch on like a version of like an approach to queerness that I wish more people would take and wander home is just sort of me writing a game about completely different things that yeah and and you know like it makes clear you can be queer in this game because like you know I don't know it's not it's not what the game is about but it it's just part of what my life is yeah, totally. Uh, we've got a, a really good question from, um, again, I'm, I'm so sorry about pronunciations. Uh, Amber Wedig, Wedig, um, do you worry that including alternate gender options as front and center encourages white, insert your other adjective here, players to fall back on 
caricatures of minorities and how do you work towards avoiding that uh if anyone wants to pick that one up <laughs> one thing that i write um about tropes is to kind of um familiarize yourself with tropes of different minority groups um maybe before you're playing the game or like if you're running the game a short game at a convention you can say oh please please avoid doing these things but also tropes um there's good and bad ones, right? So I don't think, um, I don't know, you, like you just kind of include things no matter what. I mean, if you include women in a game, I'm sure someone's gonna have like a, a cis woman's trope of, of something come up. And like the best thing you can do is try to try to familiarize yourselves with them and um, point them out and play. You can put like a little line about that in the book too. Like, hey, don't try not to try to stay away from these ideas, <laughs> these harmful tropes, you know? when playing, but I, I don't, you know, you have to include things. If you don't include them, then they won't be included. Yeah, and there is, um, for people watching, sorry, uh, the uh, Avery Alders game, uh, Dream Askew in and Dream Apart has some really good ideas about this sort of thing. But sorry, Lucian, I, I cut you off. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, I, I take, I, I think Kira's advice is good. I also take some cues from um, a very good game designer and a friend of mine, Cleo Yinsu Davis, um, has a, a whole passage in the beginning of um, uh, a game called The Long Drive Back from Busan, um, which is about uh, where you play a Korean boy band um, on a road trip, like doing a tour. Um, and there's a whole part um, in, the, in the instructions of that game um, telling you that if you're if you're not korean right as a player um but you're playing these korean characters don't try to make them particularly korean um in the way that you play them because then you're going to start doing weird tropey stereotypical things and and part of what cleo says in this is um this is the kimchi rule right if you there's only one way that you can lose at this game and it's by bringing up kimchi uh, in the game right um because then you're just doing like a cheesy like korean stereotype thing instead what cleo advises and and i take this advice in um in the way that i advise my players to play characters from marginalized groups that they're not in um is if you're not sure how to depict a culture right if you're not a member of this culture if you're not sure how to depict it don't focus on depicting the culture instead focus on the characters um desires goals emotions relationships um and what will happen is um most players will end up playing a more accurate depiction of somebody who is from that group anyway by focusing on some of those things, right? Um, and and as you play, right, some things that are relevant to those identities will then come in, but they'll come in in a way that is more organic, right? So, like, let's say, let's take a really, like, easy example right let's say that you're playing um you're playing a trans character you're not trans right and this is something that people are nervous about and they're right to be nervous about it right because there are a lot of tropes there are a lot of harmful ways you could do this right but if you're focusing on right what what is my character trying to do in this plot right what are my character's personal connections right what are my character's anxieties about this situation right and not sort of focus in on the trans part right um, you're then like building up your character, you're building up a character as nuance and depth and all of these things. And then you may find, right, as uh, throughout the course of the plot, that the fact that they're trans comes into the, into the situation for some reason organically, right? Maybe like, oh, you arrived in this town and it turns out that, right, you, you encounter somebody from the town who knew you before when you had a, a different name and pronouns. And now you're anxious around this person, right? But that's now come up organically, right? And you already have a character who's who's built up and fleshed out. So it's not just this like weird, awkward, tropey thing. And instead it's like, oh, well, we know about this character's emotions. We know how this character would feel like having a socially awkward interaction with somebody from their past, right? So I, I think that sort of that, that, that guideline can be really helpful. I think also, um, one thing I always think a lot about is that 
I don't write my games for cishet white men. You know, I, I, they're, it's not, I'm, they're not my audience. They're not, my, my audience are predominantly queer people or people who are sort of invested in, in, you know, yeah, who are queer people. My audience is queer people. I'm not marketing to, to cishet men. And if they want to play, I think I really love how um, Jamie, uh, Jamila Najati, Sword Queen Games handles it, where their perspective is very much like, if you are playing one of their games, you they are inviting you into their space, right? Where it's like, if you're a cishet person who wants to like play Sleepaway, you need to figure out how to put your baggage at the door. That's not my job to help you figure that out. If you're going to come in and be a dick, I like there's nothing I could do to stop you from being a dick. But you've got like like that's that's on you. I, I there's no way I can build a game to keep a, a, a cishet white man from being an asshole. Um, there's just it's I don't have life. there's no there's no infrastructure you can make. They're 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 too irritating. Um, and so my approach is very much like this is not for you. And if you want to come in, you need to check it at the door. And maybe also I don't know like while you're here, take a moment and think about like if you if like. You know, if a if a if a cis guy sits down at my table and really wants to play a trans woman, please, yes, absolutely. I hope somewhere online you think about the fact that you really, really care about playing a trans woman, and maybe what that says about your own relationship to gender. Um, but like, like you know, not you're just not to say like you know, there's no, I don't know, like that's not a, a a bigger moral point. That's just like I think that especially with queerness because of the fungible nature of queerness. I, I like to invite these people in, but make it clear that they are guests who can find a home here, but that I'm not catering to them, that they're, that they're not the people who live here. Yeah, I mean, I think just a small thing, kind of the other way around is that when you, when you have a really generalist game and um, you really don't know anybody who's gonna walk into it. And, you know, there's obviously the, whatever that group social conventions are gonna be. You know, one of the things that's a pretty simple thing is that's out there and, and it's something I wouldn't have thought about 10 years ago, but now I do, is at least to put in, in a game something around, you know, how to, how to, how people can safe, can feel safe at least like red flagging issues or anytime during a narrative being able to say, look, I just don't wanna do that. It doesn't matter, I just stop it. We're gonna change it and we're gonna go back. And, um, you know, it's something at least I'm more conscious of now. And I think most designers can think about how they somehow embed that. Well, you know, there's all a million ways to do it. So, you know, and and, and uh, I think that's that's a powerful thing, at least to give people that out. And, you know, you, like you said, Jay, I think it's totally true. You can't account for a group. I mean, you, and you don't know who's going to walk in. So, you know, certainly limits. And I don't think, I also don't think designers should be too, unless the point of the game is to really go into that, which can be its own really cool thing. Um, that then you know i wouldn't you know don't try to educate the world just say hey be decent in your game you know that's part of thing i also say is just don't be a jerk in general you know i mean that's important you know don't do torture porn just just be normal in the in the ways that we that we feel like don't hurt other people that kind of that kind of thing you know <laughs> and that's not easy always too so have an escape valve yeah totally uh we do have a question i don't know if anybody uh here is uh, Ace or Arrow, uh, but we have a question from Jason Petri. I'm so sorry. Uh, how is the game's community doing in terms of representation of Ace and Arrow individuals? And I myself am uh, Ace and Arrow, uh, and I say that um, I've never felt particularly unwelcome uh, in the indie game community, at least. Um, I don't know if there are any games that are specifically geared towards Ace and Arrow people, but generally most queer games are friendly, <laughs> in my opinion at least. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody has any of their games where they're like, yes, <laughs> I put it in right there. Um, this isn't one of my games, but I just want to mention Sadia BS. Um, they're a designer, they're Arrow. A lot of their games are about aromanticism and thinking about intimacy outside of aromanticism. Just giving them a big plug, sadiabs.itch.io or sadiabs on Twitter. Um, yeah, so they're they're really they're they're my like they're a really good resource on that. I think also, in general, I've felt a frustration, not even necessarily as uh, like um, as, you know like as an allosexual and aloromantic person, but 
as someone coming into the queer space and you know sort of the queer game space and feeling frustrated by the 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 way in which so much so many queer games for have for a long time been fundamentally tied to sexual intimacy and like romantic expression and that is changing rapidly and it doesn't feel that way anymore but i certainly know when i was getting started in 2015 you know like sort of like messing around with tabletop games for the first time there was a little bit of a feeling of like oh monster hearts are bust <laughs> you know like oh monster hearts first edition which you know wasn't great about asexuality you know or bust um and a lot of things have changed avery alder's done a great job with that and you know like with luke you know with folks like luke jordan's help but i'm i think that in general i'd love to see a community that even more so focuses on like the degree to which all of us have different experiences and that like I don't think we'll see like I don't I don't know if like saying like oh yes ace and arrow representation is like a thing to seek within the games themselves as much as with the designers but I would love to see just like an acknowledgement that like there are an infinite number of viewpoints in these spaces and the and anytime we try to treat one game or one particular approach to games like even my own games like my games have an approach to gender which does not easily like does not always comfortably encompass binary trans people and that's because of my own experiences but it is also a limitation of my games and i wish people could acknowledge that more and feel more like these games can be all of that and like there can be enough games that they can kind of like they can kind of hit on those broad strokes as opposed to feeling like we're you know, there is one game that gets at all of it, or one set of games. Yeah, and I know uh, a cozy den uh, does say that it can just be purely platonic, <laughs> purely platonic uh, lesbian snakes as well, which uh, is very fantastic. Um, yeah, there's options. I've had people tell me that it's a very ace-friendly game. Um, I've gone back and forth on whether or not I have ace tendencies. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I mean, you have options to to do things that are sexually defined as as um, atypical sexual activities, or just not, you know, would, would be more under the asexual umbrella of of intimacy and relations. So I think I think it's important to have in games those options when you're talking about intimacy. It would be cool to see more of that in game design in general, even though I like the romantic sexual stuff too, just like see, seeing more of like the options instead of just like, I seduce the guard. <laughs> yes. yes, I also um, love- Yeah. Go for it. I, I, was, I was just gonna say, um, I don't know if this was successful, but I hope that it was successful. Um, that one thing I tried to do in at least in Visigoths versus Malgoths, even though it is, um, partially a dating sim, right? It is built to to have that as a focus. Um, I did want to give both Ace and Arrow players some options if they want to play the game um, to try to make it so that in the adventure episodes um, that there are things to do um, that don't have anything to do with that, right? So that if, if they want to, um, you know, engage with other aspects of the game and just ignore that part of the game because that's not something they want to interact with that 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 those options are available and you can have other sorts of adventures that are about other things um so i think that you know it just kind of depends on like what your game is about right if your game is like the core of this game is romance right it's not going to be a game that an aro person is probably going to enjoy if if unless they want to role play as somebody who's very different right which is also possible um but um if the game is not that right if it's not like the most important thing about this game is romance right where for example with visigoths versus malgoths that's not the most important thing about the game the most important thing about the game is that you're in a funny weird alternate universe time travel mall with two different kinds of goths right um and it has these other elements as well right so i tried to make it a little bit modular right so that in the different adventure episodes you could just like get rid of this one plot line and just not even deal with that part um, so hopefully, I don't know how successful it was. I'll probably know in like two years. I had a lot of playtesters, um, right? I had some ace and, and some aero playtesters and some ace aero playtesters who said they had fun. But I don't think we'll really know for a couple of years, like, did 
ace and aro people generally have fun playing this i, I we're not going to know for a while so we'll see how successful it was i mean i i had fun <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah good <laughs> I'm glad. yeah no i, I um uh yeah it's um so this this session is definitely making one to play that game because i haven't played it yet so i want to play a game even more now um it's in general just hearing more and more about it but anyway um the no i i think but i think that's a key point is that whole issue of like you say if the game's about sexuality it's about sexuality so just make it clear you know make it super clear and somehow in the name itself or at least in you know super obvious so that if somebody doesn't want that then they won't pick it up but at the same time if the game's not really about that while sexuality is an important part of things and you know this is like the and i i don't want to soapbox it too much but i do get one of the frustrations of a lot of power and i don't want to take any one of them but one of the thing of the whole powered by the apocalypse thing is this ripping off that stuff whole cloth and you have to really dissect why is the why are the pieces there and i don't want to speak at all to you know vincent baker's rationale for the sex moves in, in that game you know but you know for example when i was ripping that game off just for a home game for something totally different which i don't want is not important um other than to say you know you have to look at that and say what well, makes sense to rip off because especially playing, I was playing with some very traditional players, honestly, who are great role players. But the weird thing is this, I had no sex moves in the game, but this is the first game they ever engaged sexually in, in their characters. And they engaged with non-human characters. So it's a whole weird thing. But but if I put sex games in, they would have been, they, I think they would have pulled back. And it just comes back to how do you privilege behaviors and let let those behaviors happen, which I would never expect those behaviors take off in that game. And and. And so it just comes back to thinking about, you know, when you take a game design, just, just please think about it and don't rip off Powered by the Apocalypse because it's all there. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, of course, uh, I think one of the most important tools if you're an ace or error person uh, playing a role-playing game is having those safety tools where you can pull an X card or you can just say, I'm not comfortable with this, I don't want to do this scene. Uh, and I think that's really helpful with, you know, any game in general, but definitely if you're Ace or Arrow and you're not comfortable with that stuff. Uh, I personally am just fine with like role-playing people who have romantic attraction. I just don't. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I had a ton of fun playing Visigoths versus Malgoths. Um, both, both ways. We romance some people, we became best friends with some people, and it's a ton of fun. So, let's see. We don't have anything from the chat, but um, how do you guys feel? Uh, just a general question for everybody: How do you feel uh, queer content is being sort of welcomed in the uh, RPG space uh, in the mod like currently? I know uh, we talked a bit about how indie games are definitely a lot more inclusive uh, than the bigger games right now. But how do you guys feel the the sort of tone is currently for queer designers in the space because <laughs> i talk i mean ipr has a ton of uh queer game books here uh we have a ton of queer rep is one of the reasons why i really enjoy uh working here and like looking through just the stock of like really insane amount i did not know uh, that there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of RPGs out there that are not, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or any of those sorts of games. And then if you go into itch.io, there are just thousands, um, which is incredible. As I was looking through itch.io, I know, uh, Kira, your game, uh, Body, what do you say, Backslash Hack, um, is, like, just fantastic. I never, ever... Uh, journaled before I found the like solo journaling games and that one in particular as someone who like I'm current I'm figuring it out <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out it's a process gender is crazy but we're working towards it and that one in particular uh, I had a ton of fun uh, playing that's really awesome to hear I have heard a lot of people a lot of people have told me they had kind of very personal experiences with that game, um, which is a game, it's basically a journaling game where for like a month you have a different prompt each day. And um, it takes place in a cyberpunk future where one of your body parts has been, that you choose, um, has been replaced um, with a cybernetic part. Um, and it kind of takes you through like all these different questions that you, you deal with on a daily basis of like how you interact with the part, how you feel about it, 
how maybe your family feels about it? Do you hide it? What, how does it, how do you feel when you, when you look at it? Do you remember your old part? Like all these kinds of like, um, body feels basically. <laughs> um, and I've, yeah, I've had a lot of, um, cool gender and trans reactions to it, which was a lot of my intent, but also, um, uh, some, uh, disabled reactions as well. I have fibromyalgia. Um, and so a lot of people came back to me like, oh, I have, you know, this chronic illness and this made me feel things. And, uh, you know, I'm teaching this to my uh, disability class in my college, you know, to kind of get across the way people deal with these issues on a daily basis. And that was, that's cool and heartening to me. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I think to answer your question, independent press is powerful. I think queers have always gotten the independent press power at least since the, the printing press was invented. Um, you know, we've had zines forever, you know. Uh, I think that's cool. I also think as far as like um, uh, more, I guess more mainstream, larger press games, bigger company games, um, there is also a lot of representation. And I see a lot of queer designers and writers working on things I've worked on a lot recently. Like I've worked on Vampire, um, which is like my teenage role playing game. It's like a special kind of nerding thing when you're like, I played this when I was 16. Now I'm writing stories and vampires. It's like super cheesy. Um, I, I mean, I love it. I love vampires. It's good and cheesy. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I see that happening. But vampire to me has always been gay. So I don't know if that counts. Like... <laughs> But uh, like, I think, I think where it makes the most impact is like in kind of like traditionally like kind of bro gaming like spaces, like, um, like, you know, I like Pathfinder and D&D, um, I think are the two that come to mind that are gaining, are, are changing slowly. Um, and I think community wise, there's always been like, there's like this Venn diagram, right, of like, gamer like TTRPG and LARPers and like you know gay people and like you know the kink and furry scene like I feel like it's like an overlap of like we have all these same interests and wow queer people like trying on different identities no way and like so, like so I think it's like I don't know it's it's weird I feel like it goes back and forth and like it's being it's becoming larger now just as like in the U.S. culturally it is becoming more socially acceptable to be like out visible, married, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think there's a, sorry, Junior, if you want to go. Oh, I was going to say, I think also um, we're seeing, uh, I think, I think being a queer designer right now in 2020 has a lot of advantages because um, we're seeing sort of this enormous boon of queer fans of, Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, D Dimension 20, the sorts of large D&D podcasts. And I think we're then seeing like people grow frustrated with and disaffected with that and like kind of looking for more. And I think queerness in general kind of benefits from that as a as sort of a, a, a thing that can kind of move through those spaces. I think in general, I feel there is sort of a frustration as a designer of getting locked in as a queer designer that, you know, you get asked to be on these sorts of panels and, you know, you don't necessarily, which, you know, again, no, no shade to this panel. I'm glad it's happening, but it's, it's hard not to notice how like, you know, most of my friends of color have been mainly invited to like the people of color panels, you know, like most of my queer friends have only ever been invited to the queer panels. And like, you get these really weird insulated small spaces where, you know, and I think that like, there's still sort of this larger community of designers where you don't necessarily get to have queer only panels of people talking about um, pick lists or, you know, uh, I don't even, goodness gracious, uh, just, you know, like how to approach, you know, like various approaches to violence and intimacy in games or like things like that, that like are things that I think a queer perspective would be valuable in, but we kind of get stuck on these elementary one-on-one panels. And, you know, I kind of wish that often that the space that like as much as sort of the audience grows I think especially I wish that like sort of the the dialogue wouldn't be so siloed and that I wish that there were more uh, especially I mean you know cishet players and also you know white players myself included who felt 
who 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 were uh, who would you know set aside you know our own privilege and step outside and play games and experiences by people that don't overlap with our own. Yeah, totally. And I think there's also uh, definitely something to be said with like the inherent queerness of being a queer person playing a game. <laughs> if you are queer and you are playing a game, it's probably going to end up rather gay, uh, no matter how hard you try to not do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why you would. Mm -hmm. It's way cooler over on this side. Uh, but yeah, um, we're, we're, uh, it's almost noon. Uh, if we want to wrap up, if anybody has any last things they want to say uh, before we say goodbye to our lovely uh, audience in chat. No, <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think I think Jay's point was a great closing. So I think yeah, you know what Jay said was a great great place to close it. You know, I'll do a tiny plug. Um, if you are trying to find something fun to do in the month of August, I am running a um, game jam um, for um custom content and hacks of Visigoths versus Molgoths. So if you feel like making your own characters or like making your own mall or like making a totally different game based on the rules or any of those things sound fun to you. Um, you can just go um, to the uh, game jam. It's on itch.io. It, it's on the jams calendar. It's called goths versus goths. Um, and a bunch of people are signed up. It's just fun. Um, if, if you want to do that. Should yeah. be very gay. Yes, that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you guys so much for coming. Um, we this, this is the we'll have more panels tomorrow, uh, and yeah, I'm gonna end the call and then chat. You're gonna see behind the scenes for a second as I hurriedly end the screen end the sh stream. <laughs> but thank you guys so much. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Bye.